want to begin at verse 1 again this morning. been good to be here and trust that the services have been prosperous spiritually thus far. The reading of the word, the singing of hymns, the exposition, and I appreciate the first uh, hour of services and uh, appreciated the lesson, Brother Crowder, and just going over the verses there in such a fashion. <clears throat> and I hope that the uh, time we took for prayer today, instead of just going over the prayer list, I hope that that was profitable for you as well. Want to read here in Acts chapter 9 and beginning at verse 1. Our subject will be <clears throat> the saving response to the pricks. The saving response to the pricks. We preached last Sunday on kicking against the pricks. <clears throat> Today, excuse me. Today I want to preach on the saving response to the pricks. And again, those pricks are ox goads. And you can try to kick against the ox goads. And you can kick against them. And all you'll do is injure yourself. That's all you're going to do. And you know, you'll never get out from under it. No. I'll show that to you in just a minute. But Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out against, uh, excuse me, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now as we said... You'll never get out from underneath the ox goats. Amen. Try as you may, you'll never get out from underneath of them. And I'll prove that to you from the Word of God. If you turn over in Scripture, and I'll just show you just a couple, and I'll reference some, but turn to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. 
And you know the story of the book of Jonah, I'm sure, or I'm sure that you've heard something about it. But there was a man, a prophet of God, and he too, as Brother Crowder mentioned, he prophesied of the Christ. And he went to a great city by the city of the name of Nineveh. Their sin had come up before the Lord God. And it was a horrific stench before God. And God sent the prophet Jonah unto him. Only Jonah didn't want to go. And he tried to get out from underneath the Word of God. And the Bible tells us here, verse 2, uh, the Lord, Word of the Lord, verse 1 rather, Now the Word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. See, he's trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. How'd that work out for him? Well, it didn't, did it? Never got away from it. How'd it work out for Adam and Eve? Remember, the serpent came in and said, Oh, thou shalt not surely die. And they ate of the fruit of the forbidden tree. And you remember what happened? Their eyes were open, and they could see that they were naked, and they made themselves aprons of fig leaves. And when they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the midst of the garden, what'd they do? They went and hid themselves in the garden. And what happened? They were found out, weren't they? They tried to get out from underneath of it. Well, turn over to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. I'll show you one more. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. Here's another fella. He didn't try to get out from under it. But I want to show you this. That you're never going to get out from underneath ox goats. Not even in hell. Because the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 16, the Bible tells us there were two men. Verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And uh, the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. 
And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Now notice, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. He said, I want you to remember. Remember all the good things you received. Remember all the good things that you received. Remember all the glad news of good tidings that thou received. Remember the good parents you received. Remember the good news you received. Remember the preaching of the Word of God you received. Remember all the ox goes. Remember all the pricks that thou received. And you didn't give heed to any of them. And so, you can kick against them all you like, but all you're going to do is injure yourself. You see, there's only one saving response to the pricks. If you turn over to Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, and this will be our outline here, and we'll look and show this in our text of Acts 9, Romans chapter 10. The saving response to the pricks. And this is the this is it. This is the message that's still to be declared today. And we declare it unto you that are here and without Christ, you that are kicking against the pricks, you that are being goaded by the ox goad of the gospel that you need to be born again, that you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10 and notice if you would hear verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved. For with the heart Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that's the truth. And that's what we're going to see and show forth here in Acts chapter 9. So let's turn back over here and let's show forth and let's examine in Acts 9 and verse 6 these two things. Let's show and see here the salvation, the saving response to the pricks that the Apostle Paul or Saul of Tarsus who becomes the Apostle Paul that he gives. That that he believes with the heart unto righteousness and with the mouth he makes confession unto salvation. Now, first of all, this morning, we notice in verse 6, the Bible says, And he trembling and astonished. So that's the first thing. Trembling and astonished. Now, we know 
what it is to tremble. And I believe that this shows the condition of the heart of Saul of Tarsus. He was trembling. And he was trembling with fear. I believe that for the first time in his life, he had a true fear of God. Now he claimed that he had a fear of God. He claimed that he had feared God. Remember, he was a Jew. And he'd been brought up under the Word of God. And some of you, you've sat under the Word of God for years. I think everybody here sat under the Word of God for years. And no doubt, we've all claimed to fear God. But this was not a, he was afraid, or, uh, but he has a reverential fear. And I believe he also had a literal afraid fear of God as well for the first time in his life. Because the only thing that was keeping him from going into the same place that the rich man was, was the very God he had offended. Now he was trembling. He had been caught in the very act. I mean, you think about it. Here he is, breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord. The same Lord who said that if they do it against the least of mine, they're doing it against me. He was breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the Lord. Isn't that what the Lord said? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Can you imagine coming face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ whom thou persecutest? I mean, this wasn't the one that is pictured by so many people today. This is the one whose out of his mouth comes a, a flaming sword. As pictured there in the book of Revelation. No wonder he was trembling. But I believe he was trembling at the discovery of his own sin and guilt. And that's the place that sinners come to as they come to the place of discovering their own sin and guilt. I'd like you to turn over, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 6. The book of Isaiah chapter 6. So often, and so many times, we tremble at the wrong things. So often we think that these things do not apply to us. Listen, as the Bible says, There is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Paul had to be brought individually just as I had, just as you had, and just as you 
have to be brought individually to discovering your own sin and guilt. Look at Isaiah 6 and verse 5. Notice the Bible says this, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Notice verse 5. Then said I, the same thing that happened to Saul of Tarsus. When he saw the Lord, what happened? Oh, he was filled with sin and guilt. And notice what he said, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And I tell you, when you see the Lord Jesus, and you see Him high and lifted up, and you see Him by faith dying in your stead, dying on the tree of the cross, you'll be trembling in sin and guilt. That's mm -hmm. a terrible thing to see. Look over, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. I know that we're familiar with the story of King David. David had uh, uh, a lot of tremendous things about him. And I don't mean to harp on this, but he had, there's, there's three, I think three sins of his that are brought out in scriptures. Not three, there's two. And boy, if I only had two. But here we find one where he, he, he's just got a whole mess of things going on. He, he covets. He commits adultery. He covers it up with murder. I mean, just a mess of things. And, and you know, it just, it just keeps spinning out of control, doesn't it? And so I want to read here. And first, or correction, Second Samuel chapter twelve. And you know the Lord he'd had enough. And the Lord sent Nathan, who was a prophet, unto David, and he came unto him. Second Samuel twelve one. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing, save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up 
and it grew up together with him, with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his, in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, and the Lord, As the Lord liveth, the man that had done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah, and if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight, Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. You see the Bible tells us here how that the Lord comes and the Lord reveals and David here discovered at the preaching of the word of God his own sin and guilt. He was blinded by it. And you would have thought, David, he would have seen all of it. I mean, you and I, we read the story of David, we go, how could he be so blind? How could you and I be so blind to our own Amen. sin and guilt? And just as Saul of Tarsus had to have it revealed to him by Jesus, who is the Word of God, and David had to have it revealed to him by Nathan the prophet, so you and I have to have our sin and guilt revealed to us by the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Amen. This is the deed that each and every one of us have. And Isaiah had it when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and he said, woe is me. But I tell you, when you have that, the only thing there is to do is to cry out unto the Lord Jesus, God be merciful to me a sinner. Amen. That's all there is. Quit trying to hide. Quit trying to run and turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I have sinned and have trespassed in thy sight. Look if you would over to the book of Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts chapter 2. Again the saving response to the pricks. The book of Acts chapter 2. Simon Peter. He had preached on the day of Pentecost and preached a tremendous sermon, and the Lord had saved. 
He had saved and added 3,000 souls unto the church. And they, the Bible tells us that they had just kept on preaching the Word of God. And the Lord, it tells us here how that, this is exactly what happened. God continued to cause people, He could cause them continue to tremble at the discovery of their own sin and guilt. And the Bible tells us here in verse 42, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And I want you to read that again with me. Read that again. And they continued steadfastly. Notice that. They didn't do a little here and a little there. They continued steadfastly. What did they continue steadfastly in? Well, the Bible tells us three things. In the apostles' doctrine. Number one, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teachings, which is what? The teaching of the Word of God. The second thing is, they continued steadfastly in fellowship. So what they do? They got together for the teaching and preaching of the Word of God, and they got together to fellowship with one another. And then the Bible says, and in breaking of bread and in prayers... So four things, breaking of bread and prayers. Breaking of bread, sometimes we liken it to the preaching of the Word of God. Some people believe it was the Lord's Supper. I don't necessarily believe that. But the teaching of the Word of God, fellowshipping, the preaching of the Word of God, and then in prayers. They continued steadfastly in those things. And you know what happened? The Bible says, and fear came upon every soul. Trembling came upon every soul. Why? Because they were discovering their own sin and guilt. We want to see souls saved then this is, if you'd pardon the expression, the recipe for that to take place. It says, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things common. Then you skip down to verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So they were trembling. Fear came upon them all. All these along with Saul of Tarsus saw themselves as we truly are sinners in the hands of an angry God. But then the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 9, not only was he trembling, it says in Acts 9 and verse 6, and he trembling and astonished. Trembling and astonished. 
So not only was he afraid, not only did he have this fear of him right, of him, his own sin and guilt, but he was also astonished or shocked. I believe this pertained to the greatness of the Lord's mercy and grace. Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? And that what we read here? He says, and he speaks here, he says, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. I am the Savior. And you're persecuting me. I am the Christ. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that the prophets all prophesied about. I am the Jehoshaphat of old. I'm the one that had come and was anointed of God who was not anointed with oil but with the Holy Spirit of God to come and to pay for your sins. I'm the Lamb of God. I want you to read with me over in the book of Isaiah chapter 53. I know we're familiar with this, but I'd like you to turn there again. Again, astonished. And this is a most astonishing chapter. And I know it was astonishing because the Ethiopian eunuch was astonished at it. Can you imagine? He said, and I know he was confused in one way. He said, who's, who's the author writing about? But I want you to think about what is written here and the, the shockingness of this and the astonishment of it. Isaiah 53 He says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isn't that astonishing? That God would take my sin, your sin, and lay it on another who is 100% innocent, that he take your guilt and put it on the Lord Jesus Christ, His own Son. That's astonishing. He goes on to say this. 
He was oppressed and He was afflicted. Verse 7, Yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So He opened not His mouth. Verse 8, He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare His generation? For He was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of My people was He stricken. Verse 9, And He made His grave with the wicked and with the rich in His death because He had done no violence, neither was any deceit in His mouth. Here's an astonishing thing. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He hath put Him to grief. When thou shalt make His soul an offering for sin, He shall see His seed. He shall prolong His days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in His hand. Verse 11, He shall see the travail of His soul and shall be satisfied. By His knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for He shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his own soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. No wonder Paul was astonished. Amen. How about Romans 5? The book of Romans, chapter 5. Are we not astonished when we see Christ Jesus high and lifted up in our stead when we first meet Him and our hearts are trembling and astonished seeing Him dying in our stead? Listen, sinner, this is the only saving response to the pricks. All other responses are going to end in your eternal separation from God. Listen to Romans 5 and verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Amen. Christ died for us. And so this is certainly an astonishing thing. That Christ would die for us. That He would die for sinners. Now I'd like you to turn back to our text. Secondly, I'd like you to observe here the confession that is made with the mouth. We find here that he states and he says this in such a fashion and he trembling in astonishment said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He calls them Lord. I'm told the word Lord here means master. In fact, I'm told in the New King James they took out all the lords and put the word master. And it does mean master, but it also reveals deity. Here the Apostle Paul reveals that he believes in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you cannot be saved except you believe that Jesus is God. Cannot be done. You cannot be saved except you believe 
that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. And this shows here that Saul of Tarsus was a true, was one who had genuine repentance. That he had a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. And the question that comes forth, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do, shows an entire surrender of the person unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You know, it's amazing. You might say, well, I could never do that. And it's true, you couldn't. But when God saves you, you can. Because with Him, all things are possible. This is the confession made unto salvation. He calls Him Lord, and He surrenders unto Him. This is no mere word service. <clears throat> he now speaks and he gives him not just words but deeds. He loves him in word as well as in deeds. And he confesses him as Lord as well as Savior with his mouth. There's a lot of folks who skip the fear and trembling and they'll have the mouth, but they don't have the heart. And there's some folks who think that, the, well, I, I believe in my heart, but they don't make the outward confession. But the Bible says there must be both. There must be both. If you're here and you're lost, this is the only saving response to kicking against the pricks. You can keep kicking against them, you're only doing harm to yourself. But if the Lord has saved you, you'll have a desire to make it known. You'll have a desire to surrender unto Him and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Bible is very clear and very plain on that. And that is to make it known, to confess with your mouth that the Lord has saved you, to be baptized, and to become a member of His church. And to serve Him in and through His church. And God will give grace for all of those things. <clears throat> he gives grace to believe on Him in the heart. He gives grace to repent. He gives grace to make confession with the mouth. He gives grace to uh, make it known. He gives grace to... Uh, be baptized and become a member of his church. He gives grace to serve him in and through his church according to the scriptures. 
And so while it is called today, if you're here and without Christ, will you will you believe on Him? Amen. And if you believed on Him, will you make confession with the mouth?